Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Yeah, welcome to another episode of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I'm your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, your favorite board-certified internist, founder of drbarrypr.com, as well as the CEO of PR Medical Consulting, helping you empower yourself for better health with the number one podcast for patient advocacy, affirmation, and education. This week, we bring you Marlisa Brown, who is a registered dietitian. She's a certified diabetes educator. She's an author. She's a chef. Most importantly, she's the president of Total Wellness Incorporated, and she has been in practice for more than two decades, specializing in diabetes, obesity, cardiovascular, and GI-related disorders. She's taken care of over 24,000 patients, which is absolutely amazing. And I thought, especially at a time like this, with the coronavirus causing quarantines and shutdowns and people being home and people not being able to get out their house and their dietary habits kind of a muck, I figured let's bring an expert on to kind of give us some tips of the trade to see what we can do to kind of get over uh, such a tough time that the coronavirus is, right? Because, and I've said this before, you can have the best medications, you can have the best doctors like myself, if your nutrition is not where it needs to be, your health will suffer, right? So I said, let's let's get a specialist on here to kind of talk about health, talk about nutrition, talk about all the aspects of not only the type of foods we eat, understanding that it is us that starts out when deciding, you know, the ultimate question, what is healthy food choices, right? It all starts with us, right? Which is such an empowering thing, right? Again, I know uh, the theme here, of course, on the, the Lunch and Learn community is Empowering for Better Health. So this is another person really driving home that fact that, you know, your health and your optimal health will always start with you, right? And what we can do, especially as educators or as professionals, to empower you to get better. So get ready for another amazing episode here on the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. Remember, if you are a new listener, subscribe to the podcast, uh, leave us a five-star review, let us know how we're doing. And, uh, you know, tell a friend to tell a friend, man. You guys have a great day. This podcast is sponsored by the Lunch and Learn Community Merchandise Store. Living out the motto, empower yourself for better health. At the store, you can get your favorite t-shirts, coffee mugs, even wristbands and more. For a limited time, you can get 10% off your next purchase using the coupon code EMPOWER10. That's EMPOWER10, E-M-P-O-W-E-R-10. Just go to shop.drbayerpr.com to pick up your purchase and get 10% off today. And remember, 50% of your purchases will be donated to the Five Star Scholarship Foundation, a nonprofit organization for high school students. All right, Lunch and Learn community, just uh, heard another amazing introduction uh, at a time like this where I know you guys are getting inundated with the coronavirus and everything about the coronavirus uh, from, you know, staying at home, you know, you know, wearing a mask. Uh, but I thought most importantly, especially for lots of lunch, lots, lots of the lunch and learn community listeners, um, you know, the question and concern of a diet and what can we do uh, during this time where a lot of us may be confined to our homes. 
uh, and how can we be successful uh, when it uh, it passes, right? I figured, you know what, let's let's get an expert on uh, to kind of talk about, you know, the importance of diet, importance of healthy choice, and healthy choice living, especially during a time like this where you physically you may not be able to get to the foods you want. So, um, at least thank you for uh, joining Lunch Learning Community, and uh, we appreciate uh, all that you're about to uh, bless us with uh, from a knowledge standpoint. Okay, it's wonderful to be here, and I'm glad if I can do anything to help your listeners. Come on, Lisa, if you can uh, just, I, they heard my introduction, and but I, I have a lot of my listeners who just love to skip right into the main uh, nitty-gritty of the show. If you can give them a little introduction, you know, maybe something, maybe not, not in your, your bio about who you are, what you do, and, um, you know, really the most important thing is what is the role of a dietitian? Because right? I know that's one of the main questions I'm going to get, like, what, what is a dietitian? Like, why would I need a dietitian? Okay, so we got a couple of different questions there. Let me see if I can do it all. I mean, we won't go over my whole bio, but I'm a registered dietitian, certified diabetes educator, chef, author. Um, um, I specialize in diabetes, gastrointestinal, and I've been in practice for two and a half decades. So that's a bio piece. What's a dietitian? So um, depending on what state you're in, it makes a difference. And the dietitian and registered dietitian are two different things. So if a state like has licensure, then that means that the person that's practicing nutrition has to have at least a state license and they may be a registered dietitian or they may be not. They might be just um, adhering to whatever the state licensing is. If you're in a state, but so in general, a registered dietitian is a very specific term that globally across the United States means the same thing. And what that is, is you have to have at least four years of education in medical sciences and an emphasis on nutrition. You have to do an internship and some of them are um, nine months, some of them are a year, depending on which internship. And that goes to many places. It should be in a hospital, nursing home, school food service, different places. And you have to take a test. And every five years, you have to have at least 75 additional credits to maintain it. And so if you don't pass the test or you don't do the internship or you don't do the four years, you know, you're not going to be a registered dietitian. So um, dietitians specialize in different things. So um, if you're looking to eat healthy, you can go to a dietitian. You're the sports dietitians, the dietitians that work um, particularly just on pe- with people that have kidney disease or um, just with diabetes or just for weight loss, or there's some that do a combination. So depending on what you're looking to accomplish, you may select somebody that just meets that particular need. So generally, most dietitians are good with losing weight, but some with a specialty, if you have kidney issues, where you want to go to a specialist in that. If you have food allergies and, and gastrointestinal problems, you want to go to a specialist because they can actually help you figure out things that nobody else can and make you feel better or make your numbers get better or make your... Um, your doctor is happier with you because the doctors generally will send you the dietitian for the lifestyle piece, not just eating, but all the different modifications where the doctor itself might just check your numbers and give you extra medication and such, but the dietitian can make it happen. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's what that, the difference is, as you may already be familiar with. You know, what's so interesting, especially, and, and I always talk to my colleagues about this as well, just the lack of nutrition that gets uh, taught to us, the physician, uh, during our training. Um, like I can, I can remember, like I think it might have been, might have been a two week blip, right? It it wasn't anything um, as profound as you would expect it to be, especially if you're going to be a physician. Uh, especially I, I went to outpatient medicine, and you think you know nutrition would be a big part of my discussion, uh, but the amount of training that we get. Uh, in comparison, because you said four years, like I can only imagine, like wow, yeah, we didn't get anything near that. And and I'm, I think I'm I'm always 
uh, shocked and surprised uh, of just the the lack of um, you know uh, education that's there for us physicians. But again, thankful uh, that we have our dietitians out here who can really kind of help uh, support us and you know you kind of kind of be that that foundation that we need. Because trust me, if it was up to us, I think a lot of people would be in trouble. Well, you know, there's so much information that keeps growing out there. And a lot of times people put too much on their, do- their doctor. So in other words, you go to the doctor, you expect them to know everything. But that's why they're a specialist, because nobody could specialize in everything. And that's why you get a taste, as a, depending on what kind of doctor somebody is, they get a taste of different things. And only if they go into a particular area of a special interest in an area. And so it's sort of like if somebody came to me and they wanted me to play doctor, and I'm not a doctor, and said to me, what do you think about this? It's really just whatever limited information I have that I'm sharing back. I don't really know that answer. And so I want to refer them. Like if you ask me what kind of car should I buy, I don't know anything about cars. I could tell you, you know what I really like, but it doesn't mean I know enough about it to give the information. And and people sometimes expect their doctors to have the answer for everything. Um, And they don't want to go from place to place, but sometimes you have to. The eye doctor for the eyes, the foot doctor for the feet, you know, it's important. Very, very true. As, as a dietitian, I, I wonder, especially obviously as a physician, we get our, you know, frequently asked questions. Um, in your profession, what are some of the most frequently asked questions that you get, especially for uh, when you're getting referrals, new patients walking in or consultations? What are some of those like common questions that you, you feel like if you could just like print out, hey, like these are the 10 most frequently asked questions. Here's your answers that you probably will solve half your day. So, so generally, um, regardless of what they're coming in for, um, sometimes they call up and they want to know what happens when I come into the visit. That would be, you know, what are you going to do for me? And, you know, I say that we like to try to base things on what somebody's goal is, not necessarily on what, you know, I shouldn't be shooting on you, like telling you, you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to do the other thing. So you say to me first, what is it that you would like me to work on with you? And let's say you said anything, make up something. What would you like me to work on with you? Um, lose weight. Okay, so you want to lose weight. Okay, so there are different types of people that are, some people are super motivated and they want to change everything about their life. And some people just want to like pivot a little bit to the right. So like you might drive through to McDonald's every single day and get the, you know, number two special with a supersized drink. And you don't want to necessarily start going out there and buying veggie burgers. So you want to know from me, what can I do to make it so that I can eat a little bit better, but not change my lifestyle? Or you could be somebody that wants to go all the way left wing and change everything. So the first thing I'll say to somebody is, how strict do you want to be on something? And what are your skills? And so I could help you with recipe modification. I can help you with menu development. I can help you um, identify patterns on your medications if you're on medications. Like let's say you have diabetes and certain medications will kick in so many hours after taking it or certain types of insulin will do specific things. And I can help you identify the best times to eat, um, what types of combinations work better, how to make it so you get less hungry or not have as many cravings, things that you can have instead of your cravings, recipe modifications. There's so many things that we can do, but it's all based on what you want me to help you do, not what I want to do for you. And I I love that you like really hit home on that because I think a lot of times people really think it's like this one size fit all picture when it comes to uh, being healthy, eating healthy, making life choices. And and I love right from the beginning, you're like, no, 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 you got to tell me what you want to do because um, I can, you know, I can make up a plan, but if that plan is not going to fit you, you're not going to be successful. So I, I definitely love the fact that right from the beginning, you're like, no, 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 you got to let me know what are your goals and what are your goals that you think you can actually obtain so then I can help 
uh, you know, kind of add on to that. So definitely love that aspect of the uh, the education. Well, and you got to think about it. Did anybody ever come in your office, you look at their health history and they smoke three packs of cigarettes a day, right? And let's say they have history of heart disease. So some doctors might go right to, or some doctors might go right to, oh, you really shouldn't stop, you should stop smoking. But they don't, couldn't care less. That's not why they're there. That's not what they want to talk about. And they don't want to hear it from me. So I need to find out what they want. And then I might be able to casually mention in somewhere that maybe if you could reduce smoking a little bit, it might help you. Just, a, just a little, just a little, just a couple, couple of six. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Maybe we could just go a little bit less. But if I go right there and they're like somebody that I am never going to stop smoking, don't talk to me about smoking. And I go there and I'm going on and on and on. We're not getting anywhere. That's not what they came for. When, when, you, when you hear people talk about, especially, you know, you turn on TV and they're always talking about make healthy food choices, make healthy food choices, make healthy food choices. Like, like, what does that even mean? Like, I get I get that question a lot. Like, doc, I, think I need to eat. I, eat, I need to eat more healthy. I have no clue what that means. Okay, that's, that's, first off, that is a great, great thing to question to bring up, because one of the things that a lot of people say when they first come into the office, when they sit down in front of me, is I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not ju- I'm just not doing it. And I'd say to you, 90% of the time, the answer is, is that they don't, that what they think that they should be doing or what they think is that they have things labeled good and bad in their head, and that's where they're going to. What health his- what healthy eating means is that you're providing foods with nutritional quality. They're going to meet the genetic needs of your particular body. So, for example, if everybody in your family lives to be 110, even though they have high cholesterol and then they're overweight, chances are cholesterol and weight isn't a risk factor as much in your family. It is, it is in somebody else's family where everybody died at 35 years of age with high cholesterol, and so we would want to be much more aggressive with foods that are going to lower your cholesterol and reduce your risk of heart disease for the individual with the history of the families dying earlier and maybe pick something else for the individual whose family history is not tied to that. So we want to know a little bit about you, a little bit about your family, a little bit about your lifestyle. And then what we do is we try to pick things that meet the needs. So let me make an example. So let's say, um, you know, somebody comes in and they have um, high cholesterol, they're overweight, they have a family history of heart disease. And um, let's say that they are not good cooks and they use a lot of fried food and a lot of fast food. Okay, so an improvement for them because of the cholesterol and the heart disease would be for me to identify ways that they can have similar foods that they like that are less in fat and higher in fiber so that this way that they can lower their cholesterol and reduce their risk of heart disease, maybe increased fluids because your blood gets thicker and stickier <laughs> when you don't drink enough of um, clear fluids. I'm not talking about like, you know, Coca-Cola or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No and, Coca-Cola, those others. Those others. And, maybe, and then we'd also talk about things like stress reduction and um, increasing physical movement and, and other things that are contributing factors of heart disease. So we would look at what we're trying to accomplish and then determine healthy eating. We might include more colors and fruits and vegetables because we have found that that happens to have a positive um, antioxidant effect on um, reducing incidence of coronary heart disease. So we would identify healthy foods is not the same for every person. We all know that fruits and vegetables can be healthier. But if I have diabetes, drinking fruit juice all day long is not healthier for me because it has a lot of sugar. So we want more produce. We want more fruit, different colors. We want more whole grains, but we want to split them up in a way that achieves the overall goal of the health of that individual. 
So um, if somebody is very heavy um, and they've tried many, many diets, you know, we don't want to just go on calorie deprivation, you know, as a method of weight loss, because you know how that goes. They're going to lose weight. They're going to gain weight back because they're going to get so disgusted. So um, I came up with something that's called dilution factor for those individuals. So my my dilution factor, and I'm going to be writing about that too, is we take foods, let's say, that have a lot of calories, okay, that somebody might like. Um, Let's say pasta. Do you like pasta? Yeah. Okay. So let's use pasta, for example. And what we do is like, if I took a plate of pasta and I filled it up with pasta, which most people like, it's like three cups, two to three cups of pasta, which is equivalent to six to nine pieces of bread. So it's a half a loaf of bread. Oh, so wow. you have a lot of calories. I'm not saying bread is bad, but I'm saying it's a lot of calories. Then you put your meat and whatever else on top of it. So what if I took a food like pasta or something or potatoes or something that's heavier and I mix it with something that's lighter and make the whole plate fill up. So if I was going to do, let's say, um, spaghetti with white clam sauce, maybe I'd put two cups of broccoli in, you know, with the pasta. Ah, or, okay. So they're still getting that same amount like, of food. Oh, plate's full. <laughs> plate's full, but it's not all pasta, but it looks like it's all pasta. Or maybe um, if it's spaghetti with meat sauce, maybe I mix spaghetti squash with spaghetti because spaghetti squash by itself doesn't really taste like spaghetti. But when you mix it with the spaghetti, you can't tell that it's all not spaghetti. So maybe I do a cup and a half of spaghetti squash, which is just a vegetable of 30 calories or something a cup. And I mix it together with a cup and a half of the regular pasta or, or a cup of a regular pasta and then put my sauce on the top. So maybe we can find a way of diluting a food that has more calories, not saying the pasta is bad, but too much of anything is ba- is bad. And so therefore we've, we've diluted it down to the fact that you're having a vegetable now, you're still having your pasta, it tastes the same, or it's just as enjoyable, you don't feel deprived, and you're able to live like that. And, and that's the whole purpose of trying to find things that somebody could live with. Um, and everybody's going to go off to the dark side every once in a while. I say like... Um, just one more jelly bean is my theory. Um, so, you know, so you sit down, let's say, you know, usually, you know, you, eat, you know, if you're feeling a little stressed, you eat a couple of jelly beans and then you eat some more jelly beans and then you eat some, some more jelly beans. But what happens is, is that most of the time when we keep eating, even when we feel sick from a food that we usually like, it's because we're eating because we know the jelly beans made us feel better, but the reason that we feel bad isn't because we're hungry. And so our mind says, if we eat more jelly beans, I'm going to feel better. But you're never going to feel better because you're not fixing the thing that's the problem in the first place. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so we have to get away from that deprivation thing and fill the hole with something else. That's amazing, especially – and I love that. I love that train of thought because typically when whenever – you, you approach the subject and say, hey, you know, I need you to eat better and you change your lifestyle. Uh, people automatically go to, all right, now I'm going to have like, you know, one small quarter size piece of meat. And once like they always think like, all right, now my plate is shrinking down uh, to the mini me. And you're like, no, 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 like you can still have that full plate. We just have to kind of replace uh, some of those uh, or exchange. I'll say exchange. We just have to exchange uh, some of those, you know, heavier foods that aren't really helping you get to your ultimate goal and, and replace it with some better foods that eventually will. Right. Especially like, let's say you're going out tonight and you love the chocolate cheesecake where you're going, right? So that's not the night that you ordered the fried calamari and then the, you know, the, the double, you know, lasagna and then the cheesecake. You say to yourself, you know, I really want that cheesecake. Okay. So tonight I'm going to get like the, um, 
chicken franchise with broccoli and um, a side salad instead of the extra pasta because I want that cheesecake. And then the next time, if you want the pasta, you get the pasta and then you don't have that cheesecake. You know, see, so it's sort of like you, you kind of predetermine. People sometimes will say something to me like, I don't eat, I, I, I eat the same every day. And then they don't, of course. And then so like some Monday, so, but, they, but they eat the same kinds of things. Like they'll say to me, so they'll have month pizza on Monday. And I'll, they'll say, well, I don't eat pizza every day. Okay. And then Tuesday they'll have sausage and peppers. They'll say, well, I don't eat that every day. And then on Wednesday they'll have like a jump double thing of pasta, you know, with meat sauce. They say, well, I don't eat that every day. It's all, by the way, they only, so far we just had flour and water with sauce, you know, and cheese on it. Like every different day. And, and every day they have a, another big thing but it's not the same every day no it's not but it's a cumulative it's a cumulative hit so instead of telling people you need to eat healthy um you know five out of seven days of the week you could say to somebody how about we plan to cheat twice a week or have you know and then this way instead of focusing on the fact that they're like obsessing about oh my god i gotta be healthy i gotta be healthy they're just planning out their cheat days and the other days they plan you know like healthy, because most people don't really know. They'll say they eat vegetables, and then you look at their journal, and they had like broccoli once the week, once all week, and that's it. They don't really are not really self aware of what they're actually having. Um, and, and it's funny how people journal. Are you going to laugh on this one? So when somebody writes a journal, actually writes it. Okay, when they have fried chicken, they always write down just chicken. <laughs> but but wait, you like this even better when they have grilled chicken. They always write the word grilled. Ooh. So they leave, they always, always, I've been in practice 26 years. I can tell you, they never write the fried in front of the fried chicken. They just write chicken. <laughs> so it's even like self-denial. It's not just to me, self-denial. That is, that is so funny. And what, what is, what is that, that transition when you first tell a person like, Hey, like, I need you to just write down all your food. Don't even do it. Just write down your foods. Like, like, like how's that transition for most people? Well, most people don't like it. Okay. They don't like doing it. Um, and um, let's just say that they like to do it on their phones now. And that's not good because people leave a lot of information out. Mm. So, so there's not a lot. I don't want them to write a journal. There's two different reasons you do it. One is self-accountability so that you can evaluate to see yourself what some of the things you're doing are. The other Oh, I think, did I lose you? Are we still there? Okay, good. Okay. The other is so that like just a couple of days worth of information, because they invariably always don't give me enough for me to identify where the problem lies. And I tell them, I'm not asking you to write down what you eat so I can criticize you. I'm asking you to write down everything you eat for a couple of days so I can see where the biggest problem lies. Write down when you're the most hungry. Write down, like if you ate six bags of potato chips, write down what you were feeling when you ate it. And then this way I might be able to identify something we can do to help that not happen again. Because I've had problems. I'm not a perfect, I'm not one of these I only eat broccoli people. Okay. I'm not, I'm not one of those. And so I've had problems myself through my life and I understand what it means when somebody falls off to the dark side, you know, and, and I can say, you know, these are things that work for my patients and work for myself as well, as opposed to me being the judgmental person saying, well, you know, you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that or threatening that they're going to have some horrible thing happen to them if they don't listen to me. So I try to, to be with them. Yeah. And you know, People need to understand if you go to a dietitian, there's lots of dietitians out there. If you go to somebody that doesn't like fit your personality, it doesn't, you know, feel like it works with you, 
and you feel like you gave it a good shot, just like any other medical professional, then you need to go to somebody that does. Because you don't want to be uncomfortable sharing personal things about yourself with somebody that you're uncomfortable with to begin with. Because you say personal things to people when you go to a medical. Oh, place. most definitely. And and you touched on a point that, you know, I don't think it's talked about a lot. I know a lot of times when we're telling our, our patients, I remember, I'm, again, I'm a physician. When I was doing outpatient, when I was doing outpatient medicine before I went into the hospital, um, I used to have that conversation uh, with my patient. And and I remember having that conversation. And I remember one of my patients, I love her. Um, I was like, well, you know, hey, you know, you're going to have to, you know, lose some weight. You're going to do this. And she's like, well, Doc, when are you going to start? Right. Like it was and it was one of those things where I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Like it's it's one of those things where, yes, you can uh, be on this same side and, you know, be dealing with some of the same stresses that uh, someone else is dealing with. And sometimes that does give you a little bit better insight of, you know, why they're successful and most importantly, why they're not successful sometimes. Well, it's interesting that you brought up the weight because like one of the things I find is that most women have carefully hidden their weight number of heavy women from their husband for years, most of the time, or their boyfriend or whatever. They don't, they don't like them to know how much they weigh. And if somebody comes in with their spouse and the first thing that happens is somebody asks them to get on the scale, it starts, first of all, the wife has been hiding that. And then the husband like, what do you mean you weigh 240 pounds? You know, like that starts a whole negative approach right there. But, but then the, the person's on the defensive before the doctor even works in the room. So I always ask um, if somebody comes in with somebody, would you like me to kick your husband out? Or would you like me to kick your wife out? Now, the husband invariably will always say something like, what do you mean kick me out? And the wife, if she doesn't care, say, I don't care. He knows how much I weigh. Or she'll smile at me and like kind of look at me that face. And then I said, well, you know what? You should probably go out for a minute. And I throw the guy out, you know, not, she doesn't do what I do. And then when it comes to talking about weight, I never say to somebody, you need to lose weight. What I say is, I say, ask them what they want. They tell me they want to lose weight. Or if it's important for them, I'll say, let's say you have diabetes and you're overweight. I'll say, you know what? It's a good thing that you're overweight. And you'd be like, what? <laughs> I'll say, it's a good thing you're overweight because we've got something to work with. If you were already thin and exercising all the time, we wouldn't be able to work with that. I got skinny people in here that exercise all the time and they can't, they can't work on that. The only thing we could do sometimes is take away food and give them more medicine. But because you're overweight, we got something to work with. Different angle instead of me, you know, you know, pointing, these are the list of things that you're supposed to be doing. Less defensive. I love it. Question. Now, obviously, especially with everything that's happening um, around the world. Uh, but most of especially here, right? When when you have uh, cities and counties and states under what essentially is lockdown, right? Um, in quarantine of the sense, right? Where their ability to eat um, on their at their regular pace, right, has been completely af- affected, right? Where typically they would maybe skip breakfast and just eat lunch and maybe dinner or something. Like their whole day has changed because maybe now they're like confined in the home. Um, what has been some of, I would, uh, what would you say has been some of the challenges of, of this new era that we're in, at least at this moment, especially for lunch learners, depending on when you listen to this episode, um, where, you know, like I can't, I literally don't go, I can't go to work anymore, which means I can't typically eat the salad I u- would usually eat at lunchtime. Like what, what has been some of those challenges of being kind of confined in the home now, uh, as far as our diet and our, just kind of our, our food choices? Well, okay. We've got a couple of things here. Um, so first off, they're not going to work 
anymore, a lot of people. So they're stuck in their homes. So the first thing that I would talk about is bringing, when you bring food into the house, how to make sure that they're keeping it safe. So it's not like if the outside container, the packaging is contaminated or the food, like let's say it's fresh produce to wash it just to make sure, because you don't know who else has handled it and things like that. So we talk about the safety purpose on the food. And then the second piece that we talk about there is to try to have some sort of a schedule. So I'll talk to them about what they might already have in the house because not everybody has the same availability. I mean, I saw people like fighting in the supermarket for toilet paper. I mean, seriously, (laughs) have you ever lived through anything like that that we try to talk? I mean, toilet paper. I mean, so we try to talk about availability. So if they're not somebody that usually buys fresh food and they usually buy frozen, let's say things, and they're not available, what can we substitute? for that instead. Like what can you have for breakfast every day? And so certain things that have been more available would be things like cereal. Sometimes there are eggs available. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes there's frozen waffles available. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes there's muffins, sometimes not. So we'll talk about what they have. And if they bought, let's say muffins and they're these giganto muffins that have, and they're trying to lose weight and there's like 800 calories in a muffin, you know, a half a muffin might not satisfy them. So I might say, well, we're going to have a half a muffin with something. So depending on what they like, so it might be a half a muffin. And if they got a a, a yogurt, I saw yogurts in some of the stores, or it might be a half a muffin with a little bit of cottage cheese, or it might be a half a muffin with a hard boiled egg. So we'll try to make a combination so they don't have this 800 or thousand calorie muffin for their breakfast. And we'll try to come up with things for snacks. So being confined in your house makes a lot of things that happen. You could be a stress Eater, and if you get stressed, you might go to eat. You might be worried, and that might make you want to go and eat. When you go to eat and you don't have normal things, you might eat like a whole pound of cheese if that's what you find in your refrigerator. And so we have to plan out the day ahead to have a bunch of snacks available ready to grab. When they go down there to that refrigerator to grab something, there are things that they can have that won't be as bad. So if you're like, let's say you like nuts, I don't know, but let's say you do, and you were eating handfuls of nuts, maybe we'll mix that hand, those nuts with something like popcorn that they might have in their house or with something with like a very light cereal so that when they go for a handful, it's not a handful of just pure nuts and higher in calories. It will be mixed, diluted with something. So we plan around the things that will make it easier for you. So I tell everybody to make sure you drink enough water, to make sure that you stick to some sort of schedule, to make sure that you have snacks and healthy foods available to you. And that if you go to the dark side because you're really stressed out, that's okay. As long as we're able to pull out and start putting some healthy things back into your eating. And if you don't know how to cook, let's say, fresh vegetables and you're only used to buy frozen and there's no frozen, then I'll tell you some simple things like how to make something fresh and quick. So like, for example, um, any vegetable that you buy that's like a hard vegetable, like cauliflower, broccoli, you know, just cut off the hard part or or shred down the hard part of the stem, cut it up, put it in a, um, a, a glass type of a bowl, put a tiny bit of olive oil on it, cover it with plastic and microwave it for like 10 minutes. And then you'll have a vegetable that you can add like some sort of a sauce or seasoning, even if it's a light salad dressing to it, to give it a taste without having to have frozen if you couldn't buy frozen. So we try to find an alternative for them. Um, if like for chicken, let's say you were able to buy chicken, but you couldn't find anything else and you cooked like, I don't know, 10 pounds of chicken breast. <laughs> okay. You don't want to eat 10 pounds of grilled chicken, do you? So, so we'll, we'll talk about things you can do. 
So, so let me so let's say Monday um, we have the grilled chicken with like a, um, a small potato and some salad, and then on Tuesday we slice up the chicken and we mix it together with different vegetables, and we do like a stir fry with a little bit of rice. And then Wednesday we take the chicken, and we made chicken salad out of it, and then Thursday we put a little bit of barbecue sauce that we had in the refrigerator with a little bit of corn, and we had that with let's say green beans, and then on. Friday, we threw it into some chicken broth with some vegetables and made chicken soup. So we don't have to eat the same food if that's the only thing that we got over and over and over and over again until we're so sick of it, we never want to have chicken again. So those are some of the things I talk to people about. And I know, it's a lot of thought. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 I, no, I absolutely love it because- I don't know, have, you like chicken? So we have, <laughs> I actually love, love chicken, absolutely love it. And honestly, I could probably eat chicken every day. Um, <laughs> What was interesting, and I know you actually brought it up a few times, and I think this is something that I, I think gets lost, especially in our way of eating, eating healthier, is you mentioned uh, a lot of times you're having to ask about you know uh, exogenous factors outside, not necessarily the food that's in front of them, but what's causing them to eat the food that's in front of them. Um, is a, is a good part of your discussion, especially when you're having a consultation and you're talking to your clients, uh, just uh, just kind of discussing the mindset of, uh, you know, b- the approach before the eating, while they're eating, after they're eating, like how much, how much of the discussion that you have kind of focuses, not just like whatever happens to be on the plate, but just the mental aspects associated with everything. Well, you know, our brains run our bodies, you know, pretty much. I mean, we have automatic, I have a couple of things. We have, we have primal programming, which are things that are instinctive. And then we have the autopilot, which is a way of our body weeding out things that it feels is unimportant so it can function more established. And then we have those daily distractions that, you know, happen every day that get in the way. And, and then we have the unexpected interruptions. And all these different pieces are part of what makes a person function and move through a day. And depending on what you rely on the most, like more of us in direction than the other, the more likely you are to stick to a plan or not. And so we have to like take that into account. Like, what is your day like? You know, do you get enough sleep? You know, are you overtired? Um, do you have too many things to manage now that your kids are home, your husband's home, your wife is home, um, you're trying to do the internet, you're trying to do the Zoom calls, the internet interruptions keep happening because everybody's on the broadband together. I mean, what are the things that are happening during your day and in your mind and in your life that's affecting the way that you're living and eating? So we need to make a focus on what's most important to us. Yeah, we all want to be healthier. Everybody can say that. Everybody means it when they say it. But you might not be able to do a 180-degree turn. So what can we do to make it so that you will be a little bit more healthy without changing everything if you can't? So let's say you're like, you know, you don't drink any water at all. You know, that might be a big thing for us. To, like an older, older people don't seem to drink a lot of water. That might be a big thing to start with, or you don't move your body at all. That might be a big thing to start with, or you eat no vegetables. You know, it's not that you can't get everything in a pill and we don't know everything. That's why everything changes every day. And there's a lot of fake information on the internet and on some of these social media sites. So people repeated something, 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 and something that isn't true. Even supplement companies that are making advertisements and have these big long lists of benefits. And sometimes it is and isn't. And natural doesn't always mean safe. Natural things that people do sometimes interact 
with other things. And so we have to take a look at a person as a whole person and not necessarily as a piece of a person when we're going to offer any kind of advice. Because if you give somebody advice that they're not able to use, then they're not going to do anything. So you need to give them something that they can take home and use. And I think that's a big fault sometimes in the medical system. Although I found some some of the newer doctors and some new medical practitioners and some really open-minded have really been changing the way that they're working today more, like more to the back and forth with the patient. But it's not always the case. People have schedules and they're busy and insurance companies are um, limiting Sometimes the resources and um, tests that doctors can use or the follow-ups <laughs> that they can have. And, and you might need to see more patients to be able to cover the overhead and to be able to make your practice function. And so you might not have the time to get to know people the way you might have if you had more time to spend with them. And so if we can focus on the most important pieces each time, we might be able to build a bridge by building little spoke area at a time and, and, and overcoming that and then moving to the next spot. Um, I, I, and I love that because it is such an important aspect when we talk about health in general. Um, and you said not everything can be solved with a pill, which is, oh, I mean, just... Like, like, and I, lunch learning community, I promise you, I did not pay her to say that. Like, but I, I really stress uh, that a lot of times we are looking for the easy way out. And the easy way out isn't just going to be in the pill. We're going to have to do some hard work. It's a lot of factors and, you know, process that are going into it to make sure we're our, our healthier self. And diet and nutrition is such a huge factor, right? Like, if not, probably the most important. I mean, I'm pretty sure if I asked Marlisa, she'll probably say one of the most important, right? But like, if it's, it's, it's definitely up there, like definitely top three, right? Because if your nutrition um, isn't right, right, it doesn't matter if you have the best blood pressure medication, the best diabetes medication, the best uh, cholesterol medication, it does not matter if your nutrition isn't where it needs to be. So again, uh, Marlisa, thank you uh, for uh, joining the Lynch community and uh, really blessing us and educating us on uh, such an important aspect of health, uh, which is your diet, which is nutrition, especially at a time like this with the coronavirus forcing us to kind of uh, stay within our confines of our home and really changing our, our habits of how we typically eat and drink and even exercise. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening on um, social media. Like, a lot, I mean, a lot of my patients have been putting on like different YouTube stations and things and doing exercises instead of going to the gym and things. There's a lot of different changes that people are making. I think the changes are going to go forward a lot. I mean, thinking about in, um, instilling social confidence, people are still going to be afraid certain things moving forward and we're going to need to find ways to reinsure confidence and ways of being safe when it comes to food not only it making it at home and buying it in the store and how to you know shop but also when they're going out to eat so that they feel confident again the world has shifted and it's not going to just you know when things get better there will be people that will just go back to the usual but a lot of people are going to need the confidence of the medical community to reassure them what will and will not be things that they should be looking at, depending on, especially if they have pre-existing health problems and that, and that they, they became frightened. Fear is a hard thing. Um, you can say, um, you talk about stress, like post-traumatic stress disorders. Um, some people that have pre-existing diabetes and lung disease and that are older became are very frightened now. 
And so this is something that's going to be a lasting thing. And we're going to need to find ways just because you tell somebody to do something, if they're afraid, fear is a very big obstacle to overcome. And so we're going to have different boundaries and methods that we're going to have to utilize to make it so that people are more comfortable and make the right choices going forward and make it so that they feel safe leaving their house and that they don't limit their life enjoyment because of the fact of this that just happened to us in the future. Oh, amazing, amazing words. Right, Lisa, before we let you go, um, first of all, thank again, thank you for taking the time to uh, uh, talk to us to get us right on the electronic community. Um, where can people find you, follow you, you know, get consultation? I'm not sure because I'm, sh- uh, I'm not sure if you do like online consultations. Like where can people find you, follow you, just kind of uh, be able to kind of continue your message? So, okay. So, I mean, obviously we do some telehealth, but like it, there's boundaries with state lines and things like that with licensure. But um, I am very Googleable. So if you go online and you Marlisa Brown, you'll see videos and things. I'm on YouTube. I think it's Marlisa's one on YouTube. On Instagram, it's Marlisa Brown with the number eight. I have Dieting Dietitian on Facebook. I'm on um, LinkedIn. I have uh, my website for my office is T is in Tom, the word wellness.net. Um, if you want to see some speaking, marlisaspeaks.com. You can find me. Just put my name in. Uh, go on Amazon. You'll see my books, Marlisa Brown. I, I really am. I show up a lot. There's not a lot of Marlisas in the world. There's a few, but not a lot. So you know, I'm easily. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to continue, um, you know, sharing and such. And I certainly try to get back to people as much as possible. And I'm trying to do more social media if I can to give out more free information to individuals. Yeah, no, bless. And now, it's, uh, again, before I, I, I know I just said that, but um, as far as your books, is there any uh, one that you would recommend readers read first uh, before they get all of your books? Is there any one that you say, like, oh, start with this book first and then, like, buy the rest later? <laughs> It depends on what it depends on what you're looking for. Like, I, like, so I wrote a few books on food allergies and gluten free diets. So if you have a problem with that, you would go for that. Um, I did write a book. Um, it's a racy title. I hope you don't mind. Um, it's called. It's not meaning what it says when I say it. I'll say it, <laughs> it says get it the f together, and then it says fitness, family, fun, and finance. Um, and I'm actually going to be expanding that book on a second edition, and I'm going to include overcoming um, life roadblocks such as what's happening right now. So I'm going to be updating that and releasing it in the fall. Um, right now it's, it's available, but I'm going to update it with I, I en- embrace fear and change and all those types of things. But I'm going to talk about, you know, um, dealing with roadblocks to life, business, health, things like that. And that's going to be added to that book and updated for the fall. Oh, perfect. And remember, lunch learning community members, um, even if you're driving, you're in a shower, you're, you're cooking uh, a hopefully healthy meal right now, um, all of the links will be in the show notes. So you'll be able to go to show notes, click a link. It'll take you all to our books. It'll take you to the YouTube page, the Instagram page, the Facebook page. Um, you'll have direct links to all of that way. You don't have to write it down, scaring, looking for a pen, especially um, uh, if, if you're kind of busy with your hands at, at this moment. Uh, again, Marley said, thank you so much. Uh, for uh, really getting us together. I think you are our first dietitian on the podcast, you know, 140 uh, plus episodes later and you are our first dietitian. So again, thank you uh, for, you know, really, um, you know, again, spearheading a, a movement that needs to occur, right? Which is getting your nutrition better, getting your health better. And, you know, thank you for kind of blessing us with your expertise. Oh, thank you. I love being here. I hope to talk with you again. Thank you for coming to the end of the episode. It is your truly Dr. Barry Pierre. I want to give my 
undying thanks to you for your support. Just getting to the end of the episode means that you at least enjoyed today's episode. Hope you were empowered by today's episode. Please remember to share this episode with at least two people that you know that would be greatly affected if they did not listen to today's episode. And if you have not already done so, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review, especially on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave a review. Leave a review there because your support is so, 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 so valuable for what we're doing here on the Lynch Learn and everything with Pierre Medical Consulting. And if you have not done so, go ahead and join the listserv. To join the listserv, it's very easy. Just grab your phone right now. I'll pause. Join the listserv. You want to text Lunch Learn Pod. This is all going to be one word Lunch Learn Pod to 44222. And you'll be on the listserv. You'll know exactly when new episodes are coming out. You'll know about new episodes before they actually come out because I usually tell my listserv members, hey, this is what I'm working on. This is the guests that you should expect to hear for the week on. Thanks, guys. You have a blessed day, and I'm going to see you guys next week.